Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love the win. You're now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn, Deshaun Reed, ready to talk about the 2-0 Las Vegas Raiders getting set to head to New England to take on the 1-1 New England Patriots. The Raiders uh, trying to get to 3-0. They have not won in New England, guys, since they were the Los Angeles Raiders. Um, so that is uh, that's what they're facing this week uh, as they get ready to face Bill Belichick. No Tom Brady anymore, but uh, Cam Newton has looked pretty darn good the last two weeks. And uh, we'll see what happens when the Raiders uh, head back there to face the hoodie. I remember they had a shot back in 2014. Was that Der- uh, Derek's rookie year in New England? And uh, Demarius Moore had a ball that hit off his chest at a very fast rate, and it was intercepted late in the game. But they had a chance in that one, and then they went off to London and they got blown out there, and Dennis Allen got fired. But they had a shot. Derek, Derek Carr had a shot to beat them in 2014. I hear they had a shot to beat them in the playoff game in, in 2001, too. Did you guys, anybody remember that? Now what happened in that game? I, I don't know. There was some rule. I don't know. Some weird rule, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know. What's the over-under on how many times that's going to be mentioned on the broadcast? Seven and a half. Seven and a half. All right. I've got to remember that. We got a Jim Nance, Tony Romo, number one team broadcast, so that'll be fun. It feels like a big game. I was just watching the uh, the Cam Newton, uh, John Gruden quarterback camp from back in the day. It was pretty funny just to watch uh, how bright-eyed Cam was and just how excited John was to watch the film of him running over guys. And it was just kind of cool. Like, and he mentioned in that uh, in that clip how his big advice for Cam was uh, you know durability. And sure enough, Cam is still here, still still ticking after all these years. But he has struggled with injuries in the last couple of years, but he, he looks healthy now, and, and the Patriots are running him. Like, I, I'm surprised at how much the Patriots have leaned into, like, this option attack with... We knew it was going to be part of his offense, but, I mean, they're running the ball on third and nine, third and four. It's going to be a challenge for the Raiders' defense, whose run defense is just looking pretty terrible without Nick Kwiatkowski. And, I mean, it doesn't look like he's playing this week, right? Yeah, I was about to say, it looks like he's probably going to be out again this week. We haven't seen him at practice at either of the last two weeks. I know that, you know it's been reported that it's not a torn pectoral, but, you know, any kind of injury um, like that can keep him out for a little bit. I do think it's kind of interesting with the way the Patriots have, like, redesigned the offense around Cam. It's obviously unlike any other Patriots offense we've seen in the last 20 or so years since Tom Brady has been there. And we talked to to Paul Gunther and he kind of compared it to, you know, what the Panthers ran when they had Cam Newton. So it's kind of interesting how they, like going into week one against the Panthers, they didn't really know what to expect. And now week three for the Patriots offense, they're kind of probably going to look at some old, you know, Panther stuff to try to figure out how to slow them down. So it's kind of weird how that stuff's intersecting. 
Yeah, I mean, they leaned right into the the quarterback power run with Cam. Got a little predictable, obviously, at the end of that Seahawks game and uh, probably would have liked to have tried something different if they could have it over again. The, the Seahawks made the stop, but that was a fun game on Sunday night. And, you know, I, it was funny watching that game. I tweeted it out and I expected Raider fans to just litter me with, nah, hell nah. But my honest opinion, just watching the Patriots with Cam Newton at quarterback is like suddenly this Patriots team just feels so much more likable than they have over the years. I, I don't, I can't really put a finger on it, but I don't know. Just I've always enjoyed watching Cam when he's at his peak and, you know, he looks pretty damn good right now. And he just, he made them a, a lot more fun to watch for me, uh, especially on Sunday night. You know, when you watch Cam, he just looks like he's having so much fun out there. And it's just so different from just that, you know, stereotypical Patriot type of, demeanor to the game where they take things super seriously so uh, I, I see what you're saying and it's kind of stunning how much he's changed this offense because there's not much difference between this offense and the one Brady ran last year as far as skilled players but they just look so much more explosive because of the running threat that Cam brings to the offense. They also have a very good offensive line which doesn't really bode well for the Raiders who've had trouble getting pressure. They've had what 10 quarterback hits this season one sack so um I asked uh, Gunther about Max Crosby. He has zero stats on the year, pretty much. He said that Max may be pressing a little bit. He thinks they're not getting chipped as much as you might think. Maybe he's pressing, but was very confident that Max will uh, will come around and make some plays this weekend. I also think this is a big game for Malik Collins to step up. You know, we talked about it a few times, but they throughout training camp, you know, we, we were told he's going to be the key of the defense, and we haven't really noticed him too, too much through the first two weeks. You know, both in the run game and, and getting after Cam Newton, I feel like he's going to have to make – you know, a big impact this week if they're going to hope to, to slow him down, you know, along with the rest of the defensive line, of course. You know, this presumably would have been a big game for Trent Brown. Obviously won a Super Bowl with the Patriots a couple of years ago. Um, did not play last week. Hasn't practiced yet this week. I mean, is it still looking like uh, it's going to be another week without Trent Brown and Denzel Good will be back out there at right tackle? Well, it depends. I, th- I think, you know, Sam Young, he's been back at practice the last two days. And so I don't know if you just ride the hot hand with, with Denzel Good or, you know, if you feel like Sam Young is good enough, do you put him out there at right tackle and move Good back to left guard, you know, with, uh, you know, Incognito being out. Um, I'm not sure what the what the decision is going to be there. Obviously, for practice, we get kicked out after stretching, so I don't know how they've been lining up and whatnot. But uh, it's kind of an interesting decision there for the, for the coaching staff. I thought maybe Trent would be back this week against his former team, but now he hasn't practiced all week, so you're looking more like next week. But I had heard that he's closer than you think he is to coming back, so maybe next week he's back in the lineup and, yeah, it'll be a big boost. I know a lot of fans are questioning him, and he's just, for some reason he's replying to them on Twitter, which I think cracks me up. But, uh, you know, I think he's a big part of the offense still, and definitely it's early in the season where you want him to be right, get healthy, and then come out and play. So there's no reason to rush it at this point with the team 2-0. and Without him, they can definitely afford to wait another week for him. Yeah, and I guess part of the factor in terms of Denzel Good actually has not practiced yet this week. Uh, he's got a thumb injury and an illness. Just uh, another injury on that offensive line for the Raiders to deal with for a guy who has been uh, a key part of their depth. It's surprising how well Denzel Good has played. I mean, he didn't even practice at right tackle until he had to go in in week one. So, yeah, he's just really versatile, and now he could add depth to tackle and guard which makes him even more valuable even when Trent Brown comes back so credit to him we did play right tackle I guess for the Colts right he uh, looking looking back at his at his he started the 2017 season as their starting right tackle so he has at least you know it's not completely foreign position for him 
We had Tom Cable today on the Zoom, and he was talking about you know, after you, you figure out your free starting five and you get that locked down, then you got to look at six, seven, eight. And for him, those guys all have to play two positions. You need all three of those guys to be able to play two spots. And that's why you know, I got like Denzel Good so valuable because he can be one of those guys. And you can plug him in and not really lose any sleep over it. I mean, in terms of the rest of uh, the, the Raiders injury report, you, you look at you know Josh Jacobs and uh, – and Darren Waller, uh, two pretty important players for that offense. Both guys have not practiced yet this week. And, I mean, those are guys that you kind of figure, all right, you know, get them out there on game day and they'll be fine. And on a short week after a Monday night game, there's probably all the more reason to not rush them out to practice. But just the fact that, you know, we normally consider the Wednesday practice to be the one that a lot of people will skip. And Thursday is kind of the one they get back out there. But I guess this week, Thursday, maybe is a little bit more like a Wednesday because they're coming off of a Monday nighter. Um, and, and really, Friday will be the one that they try to get everybody out there to. Yeah, I talked to Waller last night for the story I did about the uh, all his catches on. He's fine. I mean, I just think, like you said, I think it's more of a day of rest for both those guys than any serious you know, case of, for concern. Yeah, and Belichick is not going to let Waller beat the Patriots. I mean, you know, that's just kind of the Patriots' MO. They're going to take away what you do best, and they're going to dedicate resources to it. They're going to double him. Like, I tweeted out a, a old Ocho Cinco clip of Belichick talking the pregame. You know, he told him straight up, we're going to double you. You're going to take the afternoon off, and I think he's going to do the same thing to Waller. The call for the Patriots is one double eighty-three. Uh, they're just not going to let him beat him. So... Ruggs and Edwards, Aguilar and Renfro, they're going to have to step up. Yeah, I think this could be maybe Ruggs' first big game. He kind of seemed on his way to one against the Panthers before he got hurt. And I know, you know, last game against the Saints, he wasn't 100%. But even then, he had a couple opportunities where he was open. And for whatever reason, him and Carr couldn't connect. So I think with, you know, if Waller does get that constant double team throughout the game, you know, maybe this is finally the game where Ruggs is able to break through on one of, more than one of those, those few long catches and, and come up with his first big game of the season. So I talked to, to Darren about, you know, there's 12 catches and also tight end coach Frank Smith for a story I did uh, today. And it's hard to double him. I think that's one of the things that the, was so good about the Raiders offense is I know Belichick wants to, but they move him around so much in different spots and different formations. So he put, you know, fullback at one point last on Monday and he's at, out wide in the slot uh, on the line. So I think it's hard to double him. I imagine, I mean, that's that's what they're going to be practicing all week, just trying to identify where Waller is coming out the huddle and just – finding ways to double team him wherever he's at it takes practice time to do that so there's an advantage there it is still amazing when you think about how the raiders acquired darren waller right i mean here was a dude that was literally i mean and obviously he had has the history of of the suspensions and everything he was dealing with but i mean he was just sitting on the ravens practice squad and they have their own good tight end and mark andrews who was a pro bowler last year and, and all that but not that long ago, he was sitting on another team's practice squad, and Greg Olson is watching him warm up, you know, before a game uh, against the Raiders, and just like, man, that guy is freaking good. And what the Raiders signed him off the Ravens practice squad like the next day, brought him out there, and they knew like immediately, right? They knew when they brought him into the building off of another team's practice squad that he was going to be their star tight end going forward. He was going to be their number one guy. Got him his feet wet at the end of that season, and just went into that 2019 season just no just like handing him the job and just you're going to be our guy we're not even going to bother offering a contract to Jared Cook it still is amazing to me how how they were able to just get him for nothing yeah it's it's a great story you know the demons he overcame and his rehab and just um like uh, like John said he's a he's a better person than he is a player so i think it's just a it's a great foundation piece for for this team 
Greg Olson needs to watch every every team warm up because <laughs> that's amazing scouting by him and you know just such such an impact player. I, I remember just you know the, the the couple plays he got against the Bengals. I, I think it was, and you could just tell this guy is he moves at a different speed than everybody else. I don't know if it's amazing scouting. A guy six six runs by you in a sprint and catches a ball <laughs> up in the air. I'm not sure. Like, not giving Ole any. No, nah, I'm giving. I'm not giving Ole anything. I'm just uh, <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Yeah, obviously it's a great find. Now you know, and I talked with Darren about this one time. You know, about how it goes to show that you never know when people are watching you, what you're doing in the end. I mean, he could. He's on the practice squad out there pregame. Like he's not playing that day. He doesn't. What does his workout before a game really matter all that much for a guy who's not even going to play, doesn't even have a chance to play, but he's out there putting in his work and, and it got him a job and got him paid and now he's one of the premier tight ends in the league. I'd like to give him a, a little plug for an event he's doing in, in Vegas. Uh, next Monday, September 28th, he's doing a, this event called Beyond the Wall. Um, I believe it's essentially like focused around you know helping you know battle those who have addiction, whether it's like to drugs or alcohol and I believe it's focused on the youth. Uh, it's going to be in Vegas at the Dragon Ridge Country Club next Monday. I believe you have to pay to go, but like there's information on on the Darren Waller Foundation website. So I know we talk a lot about his the um, historian and, and overcoming everything, but it and also like he's given the effort to to give back and, and help others who may be going through similar situations. Yeah, it's always been cool how open he is about it, and I think that's kind of therapeutic and, and kind of keeps him accountable to just be so open about it. So, I mean, he's he's a pretty cool dude, man. It's, it's fun to see him have success. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. It's time again to talk about Fubo TV. Football season is here. The Raiders are 2-0 and heading back to Foxborough, and you don't want to miss any of the action. Fubo TV offers a family plan where three people can watch at once, or a standard base plan with two screens at once. So if you happen to have someone in your house who wants to watch something other than football on Sunday, they'll be taken care of too. There's 30 hours of DVR storage, local broadcasts available, and NBC Sports is included on the national feed. With the NFL season rolling, Fubo TV will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. So go to FuboTV.com athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's FuboTV.com slash athletic. Start your first month today. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com nation and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash nation today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash nation. GetRoman.com slash nation. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. 
I won't be at the stadiums this year. I'm going to be kicking back at home, just like you, feet up on the couch, cold drink in my hand. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Deshaun, wanted to talk to you about, you know, you, you wrote about John Simpson. Uh, and here's a guy that, you know, we talked about it on, on Monday night. He stepped right in there for Richie Incognito. Derek Carr mentioned, you know, it took a, a drive or two for him to settle in. But with Incognito going to injured reserve, as you mentioned earlier, it's it's really important that here's a guy that they drafted with expectations that he's probably going to be a, a part of their future. And that future is coming a lot quicker than they thought. Yeah, I think the idea when they drafted John Simpson was for him to be the replacement for Incognito, just not this season, right? And so uh, it was pretty, you know, impressive to see him, you know, coming in. He was inactive week one, so that was his first NFL action. You know, having probably the weirdest offseason ever, ever for a rookie. You know, he performed well. He played almost seventy snaps, and I'm not saying he was perfect, but he didn't make any glaring mistakes. And just overall, with this offensive line, it's been pretty incredible how they've managed to, you know, not only you know sustain you know, themselves, but kind of respond when they have rough moments. I mean, in that first quarter against the Saints, you know, Derek Carr went down three times. He was holding the ball too long, which was part of it. But um, it looked like they might be in for a long night and they didn't give up a sack for the rest of the game. And so, you know, those injuries may take, you know, pile up eventually and and come back to bite them. But I think that's a credit to Tom Cable, how he's managed to, you know, keep this group together. And, And, you know, you always hear that next man up mentality and everybody has to stay ready, you know, cliches. But it's something that the offensive line has really embodied so far this season. Yeah, I think Simpson made a few mental mistakes throughout the game, but I mean that's that's a given. He probably didn't get a lot of practice reps and didn't expect to go in, into the game. And this week he'll have a full practice week. But I think physically he showed that he can play in the NFL. You know he can do this. So uh, just hopefully with more reps and some time studying, he plays a better game this Sunday. All right, we're gonna take a few questions here. Um... You know, we'll remind you guys all to uh, to check out the new up- updated athletic app. We've got the real time tab that basically just a, a nice running feed of whatever we're thinking, whatever we're talking about, uh, especially during games where uh, we're all on there uh, chatting away. Um, first two questions are uh, from Darren Y and Chad G kind of piggybacking on him. Um, and of course, it's about Trent Brown, one of the hot topics in the fan base. Um, what's the deal with Trent Brown? He was not placed on IR, but still does not seem close to returning. Vic, you kind of mentioned that might not be true. If a divorce is inevitable, what trade compensation could the Raiders <laughs> conceivably get for him? And Chad wants to piggyback on this, but does good playing right tackle well make Trent expendable? He's No Trent, but if you can get good return for Brown, might want to strike while the iron's hot. We've got to introduce these people to uh, what what dead money on the cap is is like with a guy on a on a contract like Trent Brown. Look, if the rumors are true about Trent Brown and they do decide to trade him, who's going to trade him with that kind of reputation if it's true and that contract? Like, it's not going to happen. And you know, Denzel Good is playing well, but they are. You know, they're doing a lot to help him at the same time, too. So it's not ideal when you have to do a lot of game plan to help your right tackle. And that's part of why you pay a guy like Trent Brown so you could leave him on an island and not worry about it. Yeah, people got to stop this shit, man. I mean, it's been two weeks, man. <laughs> it's been two games, right? <laughs> like, like I, I get it, the frustration, you know, just stemming from last season with him missing the end of the season with his pectoral injury and, 
you know, missing these first two games um, with this calf injury. But, you know, we've seen questions about whether they're going to trade him, whether they hate him now, whether he's not actually hurt. And it's like, I mean, you just have to be patient sometimes with some of these injuries. Like a calf injury, it may not come up looking all nasty on an MRI. And, but that's something that you really can't rush. I mean, we've seen instances in recent years with high-profile athletes that rush back from a calf injury and turn into something worse. And so would you rather him miss, let's say, let's say even if he misses – you know, the first four or five games of the season. If he comes back after the bye and starts the rest of the year, would you prefer that or him to come back against the Patriots, blow out something and be out for the season? So I think people have to take a chill pill a little bit with these kind of things. You think based on the reaction that Trent Brown took $21 million out of the fans' pockets, like he went around and, and it's their money that they're out, $21 million. But again, if you watch the film from that first game, he tried to play the three plays. Looked like he really was hurt. I mean, I think looked like he wasn't faking it. Looked like he was trying to, to, to help his team, and he couldn't go. So I mean, to me, that's enough. You know, I think he's a great player. Obviously, when he's healthy, he'll be back in. I think fans will definitely appreciate it when he's back in. Like he's a dominant right tackle. So the trade stuff is ridiculous. I think um, you know, Lincoln Kennedy's not helping you at all by keep saying how he doesn't like football and all this stuff. But to me, you can't say that. that's not really fair if a guy's hurt. So. I think we'll we'll let Trent come Brown. I'm sorry, Trent Brown come back when he's ready to, and we'll take it from there. I mean, in the way his contract is structured, you know, this year obviously is the huge number, the 21 million. There is no dead cap hit after this year, so if they are fed up with him after this year, yeah, they they can get out of that contract without having to deal with anything financially. But the other side of that is next year he's only 14 million. The, the year after he's 15 million, and if he is back playing like the best right tackle in the league. Do you want the best right tackle in the league for $14 million next year? I think you damn well do. So um, that, that's why, it's, you know, the people that want to just give up on him and get rid of him already, it's it's a little too early. All right, question from Carlos N. What are your thoughts on the issues with the D-line? Uh, Rod Marinelli brought in his guys and a good resume, but we seem to have regressed. Kind of miss Buckner. Brenton Buckner, obviously, reference there, the former defensive line coach. It's funny because uh, the beauty of Twitter is you see things that uh, people notice. So I, last night I retweeted a video of P.J. Halls making plays for, for Houston. Like, <laughs> he's playing really well. And one of the people who liked the tweet was Brenton Buckner. I was like, ah, that's, be- that's beautiful. But, uh, yeah, I think obviously the line's not been good so far. I think, you know, like Deshaun mentioned, Malik Collins has not been as advertised yet. So um, and Daniel Ross has not been – I don't think he's been uh, dressed the first two games. So – the new guys have not done much. I think the old guys, I mean, you know, Furl made that big play in the opener, but otherwise he's, he's not really visible that much. So I think there's definitely some, some issues up front. And uh, so far, uh, Marinelli's not had the answers yet. I would say Arden Key and Maurice Hurst have looked pretty solid um, just coming off the bench. So I don't know, maybe if the, the starters keep lagging, maybe you work those guys in some more if they're able to make some plays kind of in the short term. Yeah, I mentioned those quarterback hits. So the 10, I think Hurst has got three and Carl Nassib's got three. So... Yeah, maybe they get some more run, but uh, definitely it's going to be tough this week because, like we mentioned, the Patriots have a tough O-line, and Cam Newton's uh, he's a tough one, so it's going to be a big big, big task for these guys this week. All right, question here from Jaden D. How would you rank that Monday night game in Carr's career and thoughts on the play calling so far? It's up there. It was good. Was it great? I mean, he's had some really great games. I think it was I mean, good, is though. it top five? Maybe, yeah, maybe fringe a, top five. I mean, it was a really good game. Um, not flashy, right? But yeah. you know, just a really good, solid performance. Yeah, he definitely dominated. He dominated Drew Brees, so that's definitely that gives him some points. That's like top ten. Big stage had some good numbers. Had to deal with a lot of adversity with the offensive line. Big upsets. So yeah, I'd say top ten. 
maybe. I mean, it's it's not ahead of his 2016 performance against the Saints. Just that that involved a comeback and the two point play and all that. But yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely a great performance. No no question about that. In terms of the play calling, you know, I know a lot of people want to harp on. They want Gruden to, to put his foot down, put his foot down on the gas pedal, and, and just really go for the kill in these games. You know what I keep telling people, and I think people need to understand is that that's a product of their defense that you can't be just full bore going after it on offense all the time because the reason they won on Monday night, in my opinion, was a good, effective offensive game plan that was aggressive in the right moments, but controlled the ball. They kept their defense off the field. I mean, they're giving up 6.7 yards per play. They needed to keep them off the field, you know, because we saw they would score and the Saints would get back out there. And even with Drew Brees missing receivers, they were still able to move the ball down the field against them. So everybody always just wants deep shots and touchdowns all day. They're scoring 34 points a game. That's fourth in the league. And they dominated the time of possession against the Saints. That's going to be their formula going forward. Yeah, I think something that I like in their their play calling is how diverse they've been with the personnel groupings. I know 11 personnel is kind of taking over the league, but they won't hesitate to go to 12 or 22 or, or 23 in, in big time moments. I think two of their touchdowns, the Ingle touchdown catch, and then I believe Wallers were out of 23 personnel. And so just being able to throw different looks at the defense and kind of keep them on their toes, I think that's something that, you know, obviously they're able to do because of all the tight ends <laughs> that they have on their roster and, you know, having a better receiver corpse this year. But um, I think that's, you know, helped them along the way to having this early, this good early start. Uh, as Carr and Ruggs get, get more comfortable, those deep shots will come. I mean, I think, you know, fans want Carr to be super aggressive, but I, I think if he's just a little more aggressive and then, him and Ruggs start connecting, uh, it's, it's, you know, it'll do wonders for this offense. And watching the Saints game, I'm surprised at how much respect Ruggs has already gotten from defenses on that reception to Brian Edwards. Three guys followed him deep, and it just opened a ton of space for Edwards. So his speed is already making a difference. And once they start connecting, hitting one or two of those deep shots a game, it'll, it'll open another dimension for this offense, I think. All right, got another question here. I think it's going to be our last question. Uh, we've got another trade proposal, guys. Um, Turner P. With the limited use effectiveness of Jason Witten, combined with Foster Moreau seeming to be doing well, is there a chance the Cowboys would come knocking to get Witten back? Since they have tight ends getting hurt, maybe we could fleece him for a second. He does add in a ha-ha. Yeah, I, I, I don't... <laughs> I don't think anybody is. Uh, I mean, maybe the the Cowboys for sentimental value would give up a seventh round pick for Jason Witten, but he he's not exactly moving well out there. No, nah, Gruden loves him. Gruden loved them to bring him in, give him the money they did. He loves him now. He's been a great fit, great leader, and uh, he had some nice blocks on this uh, Monday night. So yeah, they're not gonna. He's not. He's not on the block. He's not. He's not tradable. I don't think they're trading him, but it would be nice to see Foster Moreau out there a little bit more. He had that you know thirty one yard reception. Yeah, I just want to see him a little more involved in uh, the passing game. Hey, Vic, I want, I want to know, have you come back around to, like, not liking the wooden move? I know initially you hated it, and then, like, we talked to him in the presser, and you're like, oh, I like this guy now, and now it sounds like, are you back the other way? What's, what's going on? I'm still in love. No, I still love him. He's, uh, <laughs> and when he talks to us, he's great, man. He's, like, he's the best interview in the locker room probably right now. I think uh, you talk to other guys on the team and the coaches, and he's been a good piece. I mean, I, I agree. It's not ideal that Foster Moreau has lost snaps to him, but that's part of the price. You can't get the dessert before you have the dinner. All right, guys, let's make predictions. Raiders, Patriots. The Raiders have never won in Gillette Stadium. 
We all know about the tuck rule game. Even Tom Brady finally admitted that it was a fumble. We won't get into that game. Will the Raiders finally get their first win in Gillette Stadium? Will they win in New England for the first time since they were the Los Angeles Raiders in 1994? I don't think so. I just think there's too much going against the Raiders. It's a bad matchup on paper. The Raiders are banged up. They have a short week. They're going to the East Coast. They're playing early. So it's just a recipe for disaster, I think, for the Raiders. And I think if they make this game competitive, it's a credit to them. I, I just don't see it being a very competitive game. I think New England rolls them. Rolls them? How much? What's the score? 35 to 24. That's not rolling, rolling them. them. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm trying to say 38-17. That's not rolling them. No, I think the I think the Patriots win this one, but I don't have an exact score in mind. But I think the Patriots are like a touchdown favorite the last time I checked. I don't think... I think it'd be closer than that. I think the Raiders might lose by around four points. Um, you know, I think they'll stay competitive, but you know, kind of like, like Ted said, you know, on a short week, uh, being down, it looks like two or three start starters in this game. You know, I just think that kind of wears on them, um, and they aren't able to to seal the deal on this one. Yeah, I think the spreads uh, last I checked was six. So I would, uh, I'd also would lay the points. Uh, like with like Ted said, I, I think uh, I don't know, rolling them, but I think they'll probably win by uh, you know ten to fourteen points. I think I have like thirty-seven twenty-three is my score. I just think that like Ted said, the matchups are not good. I think Cam Newton has a big day against that defense. I think the Patriots cornerbacks are really really good, and it's gonna be a really a tough day at the office for the rookie receivers also. So I think it uh, just the matchups don't look good to me. So I, I think it's. Uh, I think the Raiders are going to be 2-1 and one, uh, come Monday. I have the score written down as 33-27 Patriots. Everyone always loves to, to bring up the West Coast teams going to the East Coast, and I don't ever completely dismiss that, but, you know, I mean, I saw a Raiders team in 2016 go undefeated, I think 5-0 and in, in those East Coast 10 a.m. kickoffs. To me, it's always, it's about the team you're playing, you know, a lot more than dealing with travel and, and game time and all that. And going up against Bill Belichick, who has an extra day of preparation ahead on, ahead of you, you know Stephen Gilmore, uh, the defensive reigning defensive player of the year, Cam Newton. I think it's too much uh, for the Raiders to handle uh, with their defense the way it is right now. But the good news is this is the second straight week that we've all picked the Raiders to lose. So Raider fans are probably going to be really happy with us because they think that that means that they're going to be three and zero. Did you see the picture of Belichick? From Wednesday, the man the man has not slept since Sunday. He's been dude. His mom died a week planning. ago. His, you know, yeah, everyone needs to cut the guy some slack. His mom just died. His, you know, his running back is uh, just dealing with tragedy. Uh, yeah. Cut cut the guy some slack if he wants to wear a ratty old sweatshirt. I mean, it's it's a pandemic. I'm not criticizing him for it. I'm just saying that that guy is just. I'm sure he's up working hard, game planning for the Raiders. It's going to be a tough game. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap up this week's episode of State of the Nation. We will, of course, be back Sunday on the post-game show. For subscribers to The Athletic, you will be able to access that show uh, later on Sunday afternoon, evening or so. Uh, we'll get that out on the app right there on Sunday. The rest of you guys, that uh, will be there waiting for you on Monday morning and uh, looking forward to uh, a fun game on Sunday. Raiders and Patriots uh, and the Raiders trying to get their first win ever at Gillette Stadium. Adios. Talk to you guys later. Thanks, John. Peace.